Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, the home of happy parents and healthy teens. I'm your host, Dr. Jessica Peck, pediatric nurse practitioner, nursing professor, and mom of four teens. I'll serve as your expert guide to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your teens. We will explore health impacts and home strategies to create a safe space in an unsafe world. My co-host for this series will be Pastor Brian Haynes, who will guide us through the spiritual impacts and help us grow our faith. Let's explore conversation keys together and get started. Welcome to episode 14 of the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, How to Heal Generational Hurts. I hope you have your copy of Behind Closed Doors, a guide to help parents and teens navigate through life's toughest issues. We are talking about the postscript today, the very last goodbye in the book. This is the last episode in this series to accompany the book, but don't worry, we have a brand new season coming your way soon. In this episode, we will spend our time together wrapping up some of those loose ends we've left. I invite you into a time of reflection. We live at the speed of a smartphone, so for just about 25 minutes or so, I invite you to slow down, put everything else away, clear your mind, and let's be intentional together. In this journey we've taken, we have discovered there is a disconnect between what parents want the world to look like for their teens and what it actually looks like. We must face the realities of today as much as we wish it weren't so. Teens desperately need their parents and grandparents to initiate difficult conversations with confidence and grace while sparing their dignity. This journey we are on is about creating relationships in which your teen is comfortable asking uncomfortable questions to help them build a safe space in an unsafe world. Your teen is absolutely 100% for sure talking to someone about these emotionally charged issues facing them today. You have had the amazing privilege of choosing if you want that to be you. The greatest predictor of happiness is not what you're doing in life, but who you are doing it with. Relationships matter, and parent and teen relationships do impact our happiness. When there is conflict at home between parents and teens, both parties are miserable and often don't know what to do. We can't expect instant gratification from our teens. It is not their purpose in life to validate our parenting choices. Relationships are difficult. They're messy. They're complex. In a world of instant fixes and instant gratification, there are no instant relationships. We want to treat parenting our teens like growing a chia pet, minimal investment with maximum outcome. In reality, it's more like a pineapple that takes an average of 24 months to grow. You may invest and then see absolutely no immediate return on that investment. If we're really honest, we try to control our kids' behavior because that gives us an immediate feedback loop to reassure us we are good parents. Ouch, I take that one personally. 
Instead, we need to pursue the hearts of our teens. In doing so, we may not get that immediate feedback loop, and we have to rely on our faith and trust God with the outcome. In the meantime, I know you're wondering if you're messing up your kids for life. The truth is, it's easier to point the finger at our teens. It's easy to focus on what they need to do and what they need to change and how they need to learn and grow. The truth is, we bring our own generational trauma into parenting that gives us significant insecurities. That was my own story. I've shared with you as well. If we don't take our own healing journey, our hurt will become our teen's hurt. But the other side of this truth is that healthy relationship building takes a significant and intentional investment of time and energy that pays off to the level of impacting the DNA of generations to come. You can't buy it or hire it out. It's all you and only you teens want and need. You plant a seed and you may not see that sprout until two years down the road from now, but wow, is that a wonderful moment. You invest what you think is wise and you confidently and expectantly wait for the harvest. Your teens need to know you believe in them. We have to remember healthy relationships are not perfect In this social media world, we are just as guilty as our teens of living in a prism of perfection, and it feels like a prison. Perfect relationships are not even possible, and relationships trying to be perfect aren't healthy. In my own journey of healing, I've worked really hard to change my relationships with my kids. I have healthy relationships with them now, but they are certainly far from perfect. People often ask me, what does that look like? Well, I'll tell you a story. When my oldest daughter first went away to college, I felt those familiar insecurities rising back up in me. Would there be distance in our relationship? Would she not need me anymore? How were things going to change? And you have to remember, I have the advantage at teaching at the college where my daughter goes to school, even though we don't live in the same city. And so the first time that I went to go teach when my daughter was there, I let her know I was on campus because I wanted to respect her and I didn't want to bump into her accidentally with me on campus and her unaware of it. I let her know I was there and she told me she didn't have time to see me. And honestly, true confession, it hurt my feelings and inflamed my fears because I thought, how can she not have time to see me just for a minute? But I tried to be rational and tell myself that she was at college and making her own way and none of her friend's parents were there and so I was going to be okay with this. I pulled into the parking lot of a fast food restaurant to get some food and as soon as I pulled into the parking lot, there I saw my precious daughter standing right in the parking lot and my first thought was, that's my baby. My second thought was, What is she doing here when she said she didn't have time to see me? But again, I tried to play it cool, went by very slowly, waiting for her to catch my eye, and just gave a casual wave. As soon as I did that, she turned her back on me, completely ignored me. 
I was crushed. I pulled through and I immediately started texting her. I cannot believe you did that to me. Her response, did what? You just crushed my soul and totally embarrassed me and rejected me. She told me she didn't see me. So I thought, great, here she is at college, nine o'clock on a school night, hanging out in a parking lot with a bunch of hooligans and lying to me too. Well, it caused some tension and it caused an argument until she came home not too long after that. And friends, listen, I took her to the eye doctor and she was very farsighted. The eye doctor told me, I do not know how she's functioning. She cannot see 10 feet in front of her face. And I realized, indeed, she had not seen me at all. And I realized I was projecting my trauma and the way that I view the world onto her. So what does it mean to be in a healthy relationship? It doesn't mean that I'm not going to do that anymore. It means that she knows I struggle with it and she has a level of grace for me. And it means I know I struggle with it and I apologize quickly. So let's remember here together, you cannot lecture your way into leveraging behavioral change and you can't argue your way into a right relationship. If you want to influence your teen's worldview, you have to view their world as they see it and meet them where they are, investing in relationship building. Remember, you can start doing that by using the Love Your Teen model to find conversation keys to unlock relationship doors that bring you closer. It's just four simple steps and you should know them by now. Listen with your face. Offer open-ended questions, validate their feelings, and explore next steps together. In Lamentations chapter 3, we read, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for Him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. God loves you, and he gave you your child, uniquely crafted, just for you to enter into this stage of parenthood for such a time as this. Well, it's time to welcome back Pastor Brian to our last episode in this series. I can't believe we're here at the end. Brian, thank you so much for being here through all of these episodes and walking through us courageously on some really tough topics. It's really been an honor and my pleasure, and I'm really glad that you had me. I am so glad. I confess I have listened to what you've said multiple times, and it's been applicable for me personally as well as professionally. And today we're going to talk about something I know that you're really passionate about, generations and generational themes. And they're woven all throughout the story of the Bible. And you created Legacy Milestones, a strategy designed to inseparably link church and home to equip the generations. I want to know more about this and tell parents listening out there how they can adopt this strategy. Sure. Well, uh, initially, we were trying to figure out the results of a a huge study that took place in sociology and religion um, back in 2005, which basically determined, it was a study between UNC Chapel Hill and Oxford, and a guy named Christian Smith 
determined that the church has like the greatest programs it's ever had for children and youth, the most professional staff it's ever had for children and youth, the greatest buildings and curriculum and budgets and all of those things. But these children and youth growing up in our churches were actually growing up to be at best compartmentalized in their faith. Meaning Jesus had a box in their life, but he didn't really impact their entire life. And so the question was, what is the missing link? And of course, we went back to the scriptures and all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter six and noticed that what was most important to the people of Israel in the time of Moses and really uh, quoted as most important even today was this understanding that the faith community and the family have a partnership in developing the next generation. And what we were missing, we were saying to all these families all over the country, hey, bring your kids to us. We're the professionals, we'll disciple them. And we were not equipping or empowering parents to lead their children spiritually. The reality is your kid, if you're, if you are committed to your church, your kid is probably at church two hours a week, maybe, maybe three, but there are 168 hours in a week. And so two to three hours a week, that, that is just, um, that's something, but it's not enough. And we just, as, as I continue to read the scripture, really believe like it's true that God designed us to be the primary faith trainers of our children. Uh, we have this unique ability of influence with them that nobody else will ever have as much of. Um, and we can use it for good or, or bad. And so what I found is parents just needed a roadmap they needed to know like, okay, what do I do? And so we took and made a roadmap, seven milestones over the course of a child's life from infancy all the way into adulthood and said, hey, here are the seven milestones we wanna see you lead your child to as they're becoming an adult who walks with Jesus. And we lined those up in a way that made sense. And we said, you know, it's not rocket science. Here are three behaviors that if you can execute these three behaviors in your home um, as you're leading children toward the, the next milestone, it's gonna be fruitful and we're gonna come alongside you and help. And those were simple. It was have a faith talk in your house one time a week, like a planned sit down or walk along the road kind of faith talk. Honestly, half the time ours, when our kids were preteens and teens and walking to Starbucks from our house and we talked on the way, the idea was that we would take the scripture and make it prominent in that moment and talk about it as a family. So if we could get you to have a faith talk one time a week, if we could get you as a parent to point out the God moments, you know, what God is doing around you, helping your kids see that. So... An example, I remember our youngest Eden, when she was very young, we were having one of those walks to Starbucks and she said it was one of those beautiful like pink and yellow and orange Gulf Coast sunsets. Yes. And she's like, God is such a neat artist. Aww. That's a God moment. We were able to talk yeah. about 
creator and all those kinds of things. There's God moments all the time. So if you can have a faith talk, you can capture a God moment. And then if you can celebrate these milestones as your child develops in their, in their faith, celebrate them in ways that are meaningful, involve your community in the celebration. And, um, and so we have this box for each of our kids, like a milestone box. And we have letters from their v, you know, vacation Bible school leaders when they were in third grade and, and blessings from coaches when they were in high school and things that we wrote for them or meaningful symbols that we gave that illustrate all that. So we just try with legacy milestones to engage the parent empower them to do a few simple things and then then mostly walk out their faith and authenticity at home so that they're really hearing and obeying God and not with perfection but but they do that they hear God and they obey them and when they need to repent they repent uh, when they need to exercise grace they exercise grace it's not perfect no families are perfect uh, but at least they have a path uh, to walk on with legacy milestones. I think that's such a beautiful picture because so often in our culture today, we focus on our kids and frame their identity through their accomplishments. Mm -hmm. What do they do scholastically or athletically or musically or any other number of those giftedness? But the legacy milestones focuses on identity and mm -hmm. character, which is so beautiful. Can you tell us about some of the milestones that are there in the teen years? Sure. So in the teen years, that for us, that would be milestones four, five, and six. So we celebrate four as purity for life, uh, five as rite of passage, and six as high school graduation. So four, we even engage uh, fifth graders, sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders. But it's, it's a weekend uh, that parents have sort of had faith talks with their kids leading up to this particular weekend. And we bring people to our church um, to talk about what is biblical purity? What's reality out there in the culture when it comes to sexuality? And how can we walk out our faith according to the biblical sexual ethic? Probably the most profound thing we do there is we will have a panel made up of seniors in high school all the way to pastors on our staff. And, and there's a Q&A. People get to ask real questions about their own struggles with sexuality, and they're honest about the goodness of God, but the difficulty of it at the same time. And I think it's profound. And then we get them to commit as a family to these open conversations and understanding of what biblical purity is and how to walk that out. Five is rite of passage. So we, we do this thing between ages 14 and 16 that's really catechism. Uh, some people hear that word and are like, what in the world is catechism? <laughs> but it's just a, a systematic teaching of biblical doctrines and you can do that in your home. And we provide tools and ways for people to do that. And uh, when they get to 16, instead of just handing them keys to a car, uh, we wanna say, hey, you're becoming a biblical man or woman. You don't have to wait till you're 35 like everybody else in our culture. You can actually be a man now, a woman now. And so we have a home ceremony that we invite 
key influencers in their lives too. And it's just, it's a profound time. It's kind of like it's framed after a Jewish bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, the idea that the community would gather around this, this person becoming a man or a woman in the faith. And then we give them responsibilities, the other side of that in the community of faith. And then six is high school graduation. And the big component there is blessing. So we teach parents to write a written blessing to read to their uh, graduating senior um, at a, at a, at a uh, event we have um, around Milestone 6 at our church. But that senior keeps that. It's framed. It goes with them wherever they go. Um, it is moving because people are wired for blessing from their parents. And I know because of some writing that I did that um, the thing that was most profound for people that went all the way through the milestones was the written blessing from their parent. So that's, we bless them sort of launching into adulthood and, um, and then go from there. So. I love it that our heartbeat is the same for that legacy because you have legacy milestones and in behind closed doors, I have legacy letters because mm -hmm. I think teens are so wired for short form electronic communication that is disposable. Mm -hmm. They don't save their text messages. They don't even save their pictures. They're right. just disposable. But to have something intentionally handwritten that's archival like that is really special. Mm -hmm. And to make it really real, I'll tell you, I did you know a milestone. Uh, with uh, when my daughters were starting to get to that fifth, sixth grade age, we had the milestone where we were talking about purity for life. This is this is how it went. It was really amazing. I planned a weekend so that we could go and have some time to unpack this. We went out of town and you know had this little getaway. I did it with my first daughter. My second daughter, she wanted her sister to come. Mm -hmm. So when I you know talked to them all about um, you know really uh, the the basics of sex and mm -hmm. how God designed it. My one daughter put her arm around the other daughter and said, don't worry, honey, it's going to be okay. I survived it. You can too. That's hilarious. <laughs> and so, you know, but by the time our oldest graduated from high school and we had those milestones, it was there, those seeds that we planted early on. And so I just want to know if you'll encourage parents, you know, that's not always a beautiful, meaningful moment, but if you start from the beginning and are in it for the long game and in it for the harvest in another season, can be really amazing. Agreed. I, I, again, no family is perfect. It's going to be messy in family life. Uh, but I do think if you can start planting those seeds at an early age and play the long game, um, I, I know what we're seeing in our adult daughters is fruit. And um, again, they're not perfect either, but there's definite fruit. And so I'd say jump in where you, you're at. I mean, you might think, well, my kids are too old for this already or whatever. Jump in right where you're at and just start working the plan uh, because the seeds that you plant uh, will bear fruit. It's, uh, it's a, a thing that God wants in their life. And so that it's, I, I think it's amazing. Um, not perfect, but amazing. I think you would agree that we have the same experience that we've seen storms mm -hmm. and we've seen drought and mm -hmm. we've seen, um, you know, just locusts that come sometimes in right. seasons that seem like that. But 
there again, but there is hope. There still is hope in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, uh, Pastor Brian, we've taken an incredible journey leading parents, listening through some really tough issues. And I hope that you and I have modeled that it's possible to have civil, comfortable mm. dialogue about tough things. But I'd like to know what is on your heart after all the things we've talked about, all the journey that we've been through. What would you like to share as a parting message? I think for parents, it's important for us to understand that we are we are leading our kids and our teenagers through uh, probably I would use the metaphor of uh, uh, of desert with lots of valleys. There's lots of mountaintops, but there are lots of valleys, and we're just going to go through hard things. It just is going to happen. We're just going to go through hard things. But when we do, there is always hope. And, um, you know, there are always going to be people in the world that are there to help. You can turn to them, professionals, people in your community, your tribe, all those kinds of things. But the bottom line for me, when we've gone through the most difficult things that we've been through in our own family life, if it were not for the hope of Christ, I would have given up. I would have cratered a time or two. And uh, I just want to encourage you beyond all the parenting advice and beyond all of the, the counsel that we could possibly give, the greatest hope you could ever have is in Christ himself who offers grace to people who are imperfect and in fact rebellious and says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I have found that to be true. And there is nothing more that I would want for you than to to know Jesus in a personal way and walk with him. I think your parenting will pour from that. it's just the only way to have real peace in the chaos. Well, if the listeners could see me, they would see me tearing up at that and just all the amens, because it's so true. Even for me as a professional, knowing all of the, the tools and the skill set that I have, uh, apart from the hope of the gospel, that is just so meaningless and empty. Mm. And that is where I find my my strength and my hope and my joy. And it reminds me of an earlier episode where you shared with us about living water. And I think you would say, just keep drinking. Mm. Yeah, keep drinking. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Brian, for investing your time and spending time with these parents who are listening. And I pray that these seeds that we planted will be fruitful in another season. Amen. Well, that concludes this episode. We hope you join us next time. Here's your homework. Friends, as we leave this journey together, I encourage you to find a way to build a monument or create something special to remember God's faithfulness. Maybe it's a piece of jewelry, a card to carry in your wallet, or a simple piece of artwork with scripture or a quote. It could be a special box to hold the letters you've written. Put it where you can see it, and each time you pass, give thanks for the gift of time you've had with your teen. I pray these adventures foster cherished memories and meaningful conversations to deepen your relationship with your teen. Remember, it's not about the destination. 
It's about how you choose to lead the journey along the way. Find me on Spotify and I have a bonus parenting pick-me-up playlist just for you. And lastly, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. I'll see you next time on the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, home of happy parents and healthy teens. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Nurse Mama show. Connect with us online at drnursemama.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Nurse Mama. You can find Pastor Brian at brianhaines.org or on Facebook at Dr. Brian Haynes. Tune in next time and invite a friend. Thank you.